Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Let's go to our interview with Michael Felder. Love talking to him. Talked a lot about uh, his love of college football and Tape Don't Lie podcast. So here's our interview with Michael Felder. All right, so we want to welcome on Stadium's college football analyst uh, and also food connoisseur, honestly, Michael Felder, to the podcast. Felder, how you doing? Man, I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Doing good. We're excited for college football to start, to be honest. Yeah, I'm ready, man. Like this, It feels a lot less precarious than a season ago, although obviously we're still going to be battling the Delta variant, and we'll see how that works out. Although everybody said, listen, if your school doesn't have it under control, guess what? You're forfeiting that game. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> so we obviously people are going to be talking about Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, all, all those top teams. And we'll get to those in a second. But is there a team that maybe people haven't asked you about a lot or people are kind of ignoring that you have a strong opinion on or, or think may do sneaky well throughout the season? Well, I think Oklahoma goes into that list of the top guys uh, with Ohio State and Bama and Clemson. I, I, I do think that the, the the most interesting or intriguing teams for me that have an opportunity to kind of flirt with getting to the playoff are probably uh, Oregon and Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame is a team that nobody ever likes to pick. Like, unless you're a Notre Dame fan, most people just hate Notre Dame. So, but it's interesting to see what they look like from a quarterback standpoint, losing Ian Book and how they fit that. And I think Notre Dame is – they are a kind of a microcosm of um, what we're dealing with from a college football standpoint. Uh, they kind of are a representative of the whole, right? Like we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to look like. We don't know how good they're going to be at quarterback, whether it's Jack Cohn or Drew Pine or who it's going to be. And I think for a lot of college football, we don't, we don't know is probably the answer to a lot of things. And I know it's a bad answer to give on a radio show or a podcast or anything, but it's the reality because outside of a handful of schools, like, like realistically, like, like Nate, Ben, like, Who's going to be the quarterback at Michigan this year? That's a great question. <laughs> that's a that's a great question. Do you have? Yeah. A, I mean, that's yeah. It seems like it's weird too because it seems like this season you have a lot of people returning, and that's you know the storyline for a lot of teams is you have a lot of returners because sure. of the COVID issue last year. But with that, you get so many question marks. It seems. It seems like you have a lot of returning. You have a lot of the same from last year, but even more question marks because of that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where one of the standard metrics, like for, I've been I've been doing this since what 2008, I guess, and one of the standard metrics for a lot of people is like, oh, well, they have this many returning starters, so I guess they'll be good. Well, that kind of goes out the window when everyone has all of their starters returning, with the exception of what Alabama and Clemson. Like everybody else has all their starters returning, so how do you grade against that metric when it's the same story for everybody? Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned Notre Dame and Oregon as, as two teams that you think can kind of crash that top five that's uh, kind of being created between Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Oklahoma. Is there another team that you like other than that who you think can reach the college football playoff, whether it's one of those teams like North Carolina, Iowa State, maybe even A&M? 
Yeah, I was going to say, I, you, you hit the two. I was going to say UNC and Iowa State. I think they're interesting because they do have a quarterback, right? We do know what their quarterback situation looks like. We do know that we like Brock Purdy and we like Sam Howell. So that's a good positive to go off of. Um, questions on the defense for North Carolina are going to be the thing that could submarine them. Like, you know, hiccups are going to come. But if you're looking for, in terms of value, uh, UNC certainly is probably a team that's going to give you some good value. I think Iowa State's also in that mix, especially because Iowa State is, I mean, are they the, the are they the new bell cow for the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas deciding to, to, to up and well, lead? Yeah, yeah. Not a sentence we thought we'd ever hear or say. So I do like them. They got Brees Hall. They got Mike Rose on the defensive side of things as well. So I think they're going to be a really good football team. They've got an opportunity to be very good. Uh, and obviously they got a, a guy who's a bona fide, you know, genius. Uh, two of them. They got Heacock and they got um, uh, Matt Campbell. So guys who are willing to adjust, adapt, and make good decisions. I think if you're looking brand name value, I think USC is interesting because if they can get their, um, can I say shit? Yeah. <laughs> if they can get their shit together, they <laughs> have a lot of talent. So. We'll see how that works uh, for them. They, they've got a ton of talent. People, again, we haven't known there in Keaton Slovis. We'll see what happens with their receiving group because they have some turnover at that in, the, in that world. But this is a team that's got a lot of talent. They've recruited well the last couple seasons after a disastrous, what, two years ago, three years ago, where they were like 70th in the country. They've started to recruit at their level again, and that's going to be interesting. And it's going to be fun to watch. I think that, I don't know, it's it's – from a value, like from a, you know, dark horse off the radar, whatever standpoint, Wisconsin is always thrown in there. So is Iowa. But the reality of it is, is we kind of know the ceiling there. And part of the ceiling talk is if you, if you can get to the mountain, but you can't summit it, like it's all for naught, you know, at, at least in today's world, I love watching it happen. But the reality of it is, is you get to that Big Ten championship game and you go to India or you go wherever it is this year and you have to play Ohio State. And I mean, they're out there driving Ferraris and you've got a Toyota Celica. You got a problem. <laughs> North Carolina is one of those super interesting teams to me, because like you said, I mean, they get Sam Howell back and Mac Brown has shown he can be a, a very capable coach for this team. And their schedule seemingly is fairly good for them. I mean, they start on the road against Virginia Tech. But other than that, I mean, they get Miami at home. The really toughest game is at Notre Dame on the road. Yeah. And we were talking uh, a week or two ago, I think their their win total is nine and a half. And it seems to me that they're a team that can easily get to 10 wins. Yeah, they're set up for it. It's going to be very interesting to see how that works out because I don't know what you guys experience is with the University of North Carolina football, but I've got a pretty intimate knowledge of it uh, as someone who played there, went there and grew up going to those games. And <laughs> I mean, they and I hate to do this because we, we did it with Clemson for so long with the term Clemsoning. But UNC is also known to just they lose weird games, uh, whether it's to NC State or it's to East Carolina. It's it, it, it they're ripe for some weird upset because you get over there. We get over our, the UNC gets over its skis. So it's going to be interesting. I think nine and a half as a number feels right. I think you're correct that they should go over 10. I think realistically, this is a team that should be looking at. OK realistically we should be 11 and one and go to the ACC championship game and play Clemson and hopefully maybe get to beat Clemson. And that could get us into the playoff. I think that's the reality of this situation, but every game is an adventure. And I like the staff that they have Phil Longo. I, I, I love 
what they're doing offensively. I think defensively they got to come with it. I think the two, the Fox kid, Tamari and Tom and Fox, both have an opportunity to be tremendous impact players. It's just about what you can do to impact the quarterback because this secondary, while they are good, the secondary can't cover forever, and you've got to get to the quarterback. My experience with uh, betting on North Carolina football or North Carolina football is betting on teams led by Marquise Williams or Mitch Trubisky. And, uh, <laughs> I've seen, I've been on some of those bad losses. I think there was a game against South Carolina when I was like, I don't know, seven years ago that they somehow <laughs> lost and uh, always will remember that. Um, back to North Carolina though. Are you worried that losing two NFL running back Javante Williams and Michael Carter might be a little bit too much to overcome since they aren't an elite program that kind of just churns out uh, blue chip talent. Well, I think that I think that the interesting part there is that running back is the position that I fear losing the most. Um, like, obviously, we'll see what they get out of whether it's DJ Jones or Elijah Green or whoever, and it's not going to be the same as Javante and Michael Carter. But I think running back is. And we see this in the NFL, right? Running back feels like the easiest position to replace. And I'm more excited for the fact that they have a bunch of those offensive linemen back uh, out of that rotation. They'll they'll make the holes, and now it's up to these guys, the young guys, to figure out what they're going to do next. I, I think that um, watching how they kind of navigate those waters are probably the more – that's pro- to me, the that I feel less – worried about that especially with phil longo who's a running guy i don't know if anybody knows him but but from sam houston state they ran the ball they attack the way they run i love that love what he does and he's bringing that to unc obviously so i think that i think they're going to be okay running the football it's just going to be different faces it's i'm not going to i'm not equating it to wisconsin but i am saying that i think they're going to be fine running the football because the strategy the philosophy that they bring to the table is so run heavy so run focused now i don't want to ask this question simply because i went there but for the Indiana Hoosiers, seemingly this season, they're kind of that sexy pick that a lot of people are either liking as like the dark horse or taking their over win total, which I believe is at seven and a half. You may get mm-hmm. it at eight at some places. Um, and get, I'm guessing for the most the rest of the season, they're not going to be uh, highly underdogs in the spread. So what what is your take on Indiana? What, what do you like about them? Do you think this is a team that has a chance to, to have that dream season that they had last year and, and go? this year and do it or do you think they may kind of fall back to earth uh what is it it's michael Penix, right yeah yeah he's good and i think the key for them obviously you lose to ohio state by a touchdown you lose to um ole miss in the in the bowl game but the reality is i mean you played they played what did they play seven regular season games yeah so we got to extrapolate that. We got to turn that. We're going to get double the games, right? We're essentially getting double the gameage going on. Can they sustain it? And I think that's going to be the critical element here. And it's also not just about what they can control. It's about what other people are doing. And I think that's a big part of football that not enough people discuss. They're not in charge of anything. Like there's a humongous difference between Ohio State, who is in charge of whether they're good or bad and what they can do versus Indiana, who they can be as good as they want to be. But if Penn State's operating at full capacity, if Michigan's operating at full capacity, if Michigan State's operating at full capacity, now you have to, like, you get you go from sitting in the, the front seat riding shotgun to, oh, wow, I guess I'm sitting in the middle in the back. 
So <laughs> it's it's up to what those teams are. I didn't and and look, it looks like Michigan State's still going to have a rough year. I have no idea what to expect out of Michigan this season. Uh, they are yeah, yeah. such a complete mystery wild card. I think Penn State might be good offensively, but I don't know what they're going to service defensively after some of the guys they lost to the next level. Um, so just from a divisional standpoint, like the base level, the bottom, the floor is we're going to be better than in, than Maryland and Rutgers. And then you start to look at what everybody else looks like. And it was like, hey, we should be better than Michigan State. And we should be better than Michigan. And we now we're talking about Penn State. And we, can we be better than Penn State? Okay, we're better than Penn State. Okay, now we're behind Ohio State, which does get you above that seven and a half wins, seven wins that you're looking at. And the goal is going to be we can't lose games that – and I like Tom Allen. I think he's a great guy. I got a chance to talk to him uh, in an airport one time, like randomly. It was really cool. Um, but Did we he make can't – you want to run through a wall? <laughs> He I, honestly, it was it. It's not that it was the opposite of that. It was that he's so. He reminded me a lot of David Cutcliffe. He okay. cares. He cares a lot. Like he really cares about his kids and cares about the guys playing for him. And yes, I guess at the end of the day, that does make you want to run through the wall, right? But it's not this rah rah speech speech stuff. It's like a, there's a level of genuine care that I think is lost on a lot that, that a lot of college football coaches don't have. And so he's a guy that I'm always going to root for him. Uh, I think Brom has the same thing at Purdue where he just genuinely does care about his guys. It's not, he's, they're not means to an end they're people. And we mentioned Iowa state before, but Matt Campbell feels the same way. So I think that's going to be very interesting to see, but the big key is going to be don't lose stupid games and then give yourself a chance. And I think this team's going to give itself a chance to win a lot of football games. Later in the show, Ben and I are going to be previewing some of the Pac-12 teams, some of the top teams in the conference. You mentioned that you like Oregon this year. You think USC with their with Keaton Slovis and some of the recruiting getting a little bit better to maybe make a, a step in the Pac-12 South. I want your thoughts on Utah, which is a team I like a lot this year. Over eight and a half wins. You get a transfer quarterback in Charlie Brewer. You avoid Washington from the Pac-12 North, and you get a home game against Oregon late in the season. What's your thoughts on Utah this year and maybe any other teams in the Pac-12? I love Brewer. Um, surprised that he left Baylor, but you know what? Go out there and do what you got to do, my man. Um, Utah, for me, Utah, TCU, um, Iowa, Wisconsin, <sighs> pre-Justin pre Fuente, Virginia Tech was probably going to be in that mix as well. Pitt is another team that, that belongs, I think, in that same vein. They are mean. They're a mean football team that doesn't beat themselves, and that is critical. So much of college football is bad football, and I don't think enough people acknowledge that because they want to play into the pageantry or the, 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 the regal nature of what they like about the game, which mostly doesn't have anything to do with the actual game. It's bad football. It's people making mistakes. If I would probably say 75% of college football players would 100% get fired if they were in the NFL doing the stuff that they do on a week to week basis, they would be cut <laughs> and sent home. So there's that, but Wisconsin, Utah, Pitt, these guys don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. They don't have missed assignments and they don't have missed alignments. And for those of you that don't know, when you get graded in, in football, they look at where you lined up, and then what you did in terms of the play. And it's not just missed tackle. It's also like bad route, bad path to the to the football, all these things. You took a you took a bonus step. If you take a bonus step, guess what, man? 
you take a false step, you're costing, you're you're not making a tackle where you should be making it. You're giving that guy an extra two yards. We're going to mark you down for that. So Utah's a team. Um, oh, I almost called him Ken Wisenhut. It's um, what is his name? Kevin. Kyle, um, Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham. Yeah, I'm just Ken Wisenhut. Who's that? He's the coach the the, the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah. He's a yeah. Steelers offensive coordinator. Um, Kyle uh-huh. Whittingham. He's a good coach. He does not accept. Um, Again, mistakes. And I think Bronco Mendenhall is doing the same thing at, at Virginia right now, too. But no mistakes. So mistake-free football is going to help you win a lot of football games. And they're a team that is – they're not explosive, but they don't mind pounding you into the ground for 60 minutes on both sides of the ball. And, yeah, you said the over-under for them is what, eight, eight and a half? Yeah, eight, eight and a half. I mean, I love it because the reality of it is – you look at what they're playing. They got five games against the rest of the Pac-12 South. Arizona's a nothing right at this point. Uh, UCLA is uh, who knows how good they're going to be. So let's we well I'm going to count those as two. Colorado is still in a transitional phase, so we're going to count that as three. And then you get to Arizona State and you get to U- USC. They are so disciplined that they have an opportunity to beat the wheels off USC because USC has so much flash and dash and all this. And, and obviously they're going to play. It's we saw it, um, was it week one a year ago, Mississippi State taking on LSU? The air raid yeah. can be stopped if you're a disciplined defense. The air raid can be stopped. And so Utah is a disciplined defense. They can slow down and stop the air raid as long as they can manufacture anywhere from 21 to 35 points a game. This is a team that can win 10 football games and find themselves back into the Pac-12 championship game, which they've been to more than once, which is crazy. So before we let you go, we have to bring up Tape Don't Lie. Um, and your guys are going to be coming out with a podcast on Thursday, the debut of the Tape Don't Lie podcast. So what uh, what can you tell us about it? And I know you're very excited about it, too. Yeah, I'm super excited, man. It's really fun to hop on with you guys, too. But I'm, I'm super excited for Tape Don't Lie. Basically, we're talking about a show where all we do is talk about football. It's not even game to game. It's not even you guys are handling the betting side of things. On my end, I'm handling, like, we, I talked for 30 minutes with Max Brown, a former USC and Pitt quarterback. We talked about mesh and smash as concepts for 25, 30 minutes. I talked to Roddy Jones in an episode that I thought we were going to talk about just zone run, inside stretch, outside zone, and ended up just doing 30 minutes talking only inside zone, which was really, really fun. So it's cool. I talked to um, Craig Rowe, former Michigan um, defensive end, talked to him about five technique play. It's it's the stuff that I really like about football. Um, I'm not as smart as you guys. Like when it comes to like you guys, you can you can play the this and do that and hedge your bets and you know like all I know like I I don't know who's gonna win by how much. I just know how I would attack attack certain teams and this kind of gets into the nexus of that because for me I don't care if we win 21 to 23 or 23 to 21 or if we win 50 to seven. The only thing that I'm worried about is putting the dub on the board. And we talk about the kind of the strategies that go to putting that dub on the board because it doesn't matter if you win by one point or you win by 50 points. All that matters is you win. You feel good in that locker room. Your shower's a little bit warmer and the pizza tastes a little bit better. So that'll come out uh, on Thursday for this episode yeah. and it'll be weekly, right? 
Yeah, weekly. So we're going to do, we've got some evergreen stuff coming up. I think we got six in the can right now. So those are going to come out. I think we're going to do one this week, two next week, two next week. And then we're going to start as games pop up, we're going to pull out specific concepts from games and kind of highlight them. And uh, ultimately, obviously, you know, pair it with our, um, our, our rights packages so that we can really highlight and zero in with from a graphical or from a video, visual standpoint, zero in on, you know, what makes this play work or why this play worked. It's really cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a pilot thing that I've been thinking about for a long time. I've had, you guys know how it is, right? You have those, a project that you, you want to do and you're just not in the position to do it. It's taken me, what did I say, 2008? It's taken me 13 years to get to a spot where I can finally do the thing that I think is going to be good content. So let's see where it goes. Hopefully folks uh, uh, subscribe and then they rate and review it. Absolutely. And where can people find you on uh, social media too? Uh, you can find me at In The Bleachers on Twitter. Uh, I'm bad at social media. I'll be flat out honest. Like I, I'm at In The Bleachers on Twitter. I'm at It's Felder on Instagram. So those don't, don't even like, they're not even the same thing. It's a completely different name. If you All look right. up one, you won't find the other one. <laughs> so, and at It's Felder on Facebook, which, so at least those two line up together. So I guess there that's good. Go. But goodness gracious. Perfect. But yeah, make sure you follow uh, Tape Don't Lie. It's going to be a fun ride.